Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM Progress Channel 127. I'm John Fugelsang. It is so good to be with you. And we are so glad to have you with us here on Channel 127 for Tell Me Everything, the little show that brings good trouble to the right wing bubble. Bob Seska is with us tonight. Wajahat Ali will be back on the show. And Dr. Tracy Pearson as well. Chris Hauselt, he's our executive producer. He's a fine fellow. He's running this thing out of uh, the beautiful state of South Carolina, which we love, even though they gave us Tim Scott and Lindsey Graham and Nikki Haley. I, I, I could go on, but we, we love South Carolina and Chris's class in the place up. The mighty Thea Harper runs this thing out of Brooklyn. I come to you from Manhattan, and it's going to be quite a day. You may have already heard, if you haven't. Allow me to be the one to tell you that war criminal with the blood of millions of innocents on his hands, Henry Kissinger, has died at 100. If you're just joining us, Henry Kissinger, former Secretary of State, man who shaped world affairs under Presidents Nixon and Ford, a terrible human being whose corpse will have blood on its hands into the afterlife, has died at the age of 100. And, you know, it's got to be the vaccine that did it, right? It's got to be. He was boosted. I, that, I'm telling you, it's not a coincidence, people. We will, uh, throughout the course of the evening, pay tribute to Henry Kissinger's unique legacy. You know, and, and let's also be very aware, there's going to be some Democrats posting lovely pictures about this man who is more responsible for the slaughter of Cambodians than anyone outside the Khmer Rouge itself. So, Henry Kissinger, may in death you be greeted with more mercy than you chose to show others during your time here on Earth. Meanwhile, former First Lady Rosalind Carter has been laid to rest near the Carter's family home in Plains, Georgia. Crazy story out of New York City where federal prosecutors announced charges against uh, an official from India who was trying to lead a plot to assassinate a Sikh leader here in New York who wanted to try to get an independent state 
for Sikh residents. It's completely crazy. But these charges are like similar accusations made against India by Canada earlier this year. Also, Donald Trump went on Truth Social late last night doubling down in his threats to destroy Obamacare in the second term. And just to be presidential, he said the plan that saved millions from medical dire straits, the plan that led to the lowest rate of uninsured in our country's history, sucks. Of course, then there's the Donald Trump plan, which is um, pray to Hogwarts for magic shit to happen. Uh, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer has signed a landmark sweeping clean energy bill, setting higher standards and 100 percent clean energy by 2040. Twelve more hostages were released by Hamas today, including an American. Negotiations for an extended ceasefire and more hostage releases are continuing, but IDF officials remain deeply committed to more combat very soon. Uh, so we have a lot to get to on the show tonight, and I'm so glad you guys are with us. Got to talk about this, what the Pope did, knocking down this right-wing cardinal tonight. If you haven't heard about it, it's a crazy story. We will get to that as the evening goes on. In the meantime, let's let's play Low Wattage Wednesday. Let's salute the dumbest people in power in this country and abroad for hump day. Starting with our good friend, George Santos, who is now one day closer to having an unwatchable show on the OAN channel. Right now, 90 House Republicans have said they plan or will support voting to expel George Santos from Congress, according to an internal whip count in Politico, which means, guys, you can pretty much bet money uh, he will be out of a job by Friday night. In fact, I bet you we're covering it Friday night when we're live. Meanwhile, the Hunter Biden story continues. We discussed it yesterday, how James Comer has been demanding Hunter Biden come and testify, and he said you can do it in public or private. Finally, Hunter Biden, who's begun suing these people, and again, I don't care if Hunter Biden goes to jail, but you know what? As someone who cares about people in recovery, it's delightful watching him sue these godless miscreants. Hunter Biden's lawyer said, yeah, he'll come talk to you in person on December 13th on camera in public, which made James Comer flip out and even forget he'd offered to let Hunter Biden testify in public because, you know, they don't want the American people to hear from Hunter Biden. They want to get the testimony in private and then lie about it and try to get a few more hours on Fox News for coverage. So today, the House Oversight Committee told Hunter Biden they'll talk to him in public, but only after they talk to him in private. These homophobes always like having it both ways, don't they? Here's James Comer with a little bit of his razzle-dazzle. Joe Biden, you about participated and benefited from these schemes. This is a national security threat at the highest level what? of government, and Americans what? demand accountability for the Biden corruption. Over the next two months, our committees will interview members of the Biden family and their associates about this record of evidence. We expect full compliance with our lawfully issued subpoenas. No one is above the law, even if your last name is Biden. Our committee will first interview and depose witnesses. We then, of course, would welcome Hunter Biden to testify at a public hearing at a future date. Democrats should have no concern with first deposing and interviewing key witnesses. This is how they conducted their impeachment inquiry of former President <laughs> Trump and the January 6th committee. Well, now, of course, Republicans should have no concerns with citizens blowing off congressional subpoenas, right? As long as we're talking about what happened during impeachment time. Uh, but you know what? It, it, low wattage Wednesday. I'm sorry. It's not Jim Comer. It's not George Santos. 
Maybe it's Republican Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana. Now, again, when I try to narrow this down to the dumbest things I've heard people in power say all day, it's not easy on any day. But today was especially rough. He was um, asking some questions of an expert witness, Dr. Megan Ranney. She's from Yale School of Public Health. And he decided to do what Republicans do, use Chicago as shorthand for blacks are violent, because, again... Guns that are used in violent crimes in Chicago are easily purchased right next door in Indiana. They don't want to do anything to stop gun violence in Chicago. They want to be able to have Chicago be shorthand for you-know-who. So uh, Senator Kennedy asked uh, her, why, why has Chicago become America's largest outdoor shooting range? And then he had some bullshit I'll play for you. She clapped back and let him know which states actually have higher firearm death rates. Here's a quick clip of John Kennedy, who, again, uh, Ivy League Anonymous, this one. He's another one of these guys who's got a great education, studied at Oxford, (laughs) but then he became a conservative, and that's why now he talks like a man who steals chickens. Here's John Kennedy earlier today. Let me ask you this. Why do you think that Chicago has become America's largest outdoor shooting range. Do you think it's because of Chicago citizens uh, who have no criminal record, but but who have awfully a gun in their home for protection or perhaps for hunting? Or do you think it's because of a finite group of criminals who have rap sheets as long as King Kong's arm. So Mississippi, Louisiana, and Missouri actually have higher firearm death rates. Um, Obviously, there's certain... What about Chicago? So I don't live in Chicago. It's not my primary area of research. You don't have an opinion on that? I think there's easy access to firearms compared with, combined with environmental conditions, uh, lack of Poverty. great education. There have actually Poverty. been studies showing that when you green vacant lots and repair abandoned buildings in urban neighborhoods, you see decreases in gunshots, in violence, as well as in stress and depression in the neighborhoods around them. They don't want a decrease in violence in Chicago. They, for the same reason, they don't want a a decrease in migrants crossing the border. They need it to get white people to vote Republican so rich donors can get their tax cut and do more polluting. Um, And he kept asking about Chicago. I I like that she said that gun violence in the city stems from easy access to firearms combined with environmental conditions and lack of education. But uh, you know what? No, even as bad as John Kennedy is, friends... Can we talk about Elon Musk for a second? Just a second? Because we know Elon's crazy. We know Elon made this horrible decision to buy Twitter, then tried to back out of it, and a judge forced him to go through with it. So he's putting on a brave face. We know that Elon borrowed a lot of money to destroy that site, and we know that he retweeted conspicuously, undeniably Jew-hating tweets just a couple days ago. That's why he had to go over and wear a flak suit and do damage control standing next to Bibi Netanyahu. And we know that Elon Musk, when he talks, sounds like a deeply insecure Bond villain with a micro penis. But the clip we're going to play you, it, it it's excruciating, friends. Because today, Elon was here in New York and he was appearing at the New York Times annual Deal Book Summit. He was being interviewed by uh, Andrew Ross Sorkin. You know him. He's the the Times financial columnist. And he was wearing a a leather jacket from Israel with a dog tag reading, Bring Them Home. 
So there's your damage control. He also claimed that Tesla has done more to help the environment than all other companies combined. And his reasoning was because he was the CEO of Tesla, he's done more for humanity than anyone else on Earth. I know, right? This guy, it's going to end like the last scene of Scarface, him in a mansion with a pile of coke on a desk and a gun in his hand. You know, but then here's the good part. Sorkin asked him about all the advertisers who've been fleeing Twitter because of his conspiracy theory posts and his undeniable anti-Semitism. And you know what? How do you get Disney to come back? How do you get Disney to come back and put money into your website? Well, how about telling Disney to go fuck themselves? Give a quick listen. At the end of this, he references Bob. He's talking about Disney CEO Bob Iger. Folks, after the strike we've just seen the actors go through, it takes a lot to make me feel any kind of empathy for Bob Iger, but this clip has to be heard to be believed. Here is Apartheid McBratface earlier today. That, and, and you're clarifying this now, um, but there's a public perception that that was part of a apology tour, if you will. That this had been said online, there was all of the criticism, there was advertisers leaving. We talked to Bob Iger today. I hope today. they stop. You hope? Uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If, if somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go fuck yourself. But No laughs. Like he thought that was an applause line. Listen. Yourself. <laughs> is that clear? I hope it is. Hey, Bob. If you're in the audience. Right? Hey, Bob. Like, 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 he's literally saying, and then later as the conversation went on, he said, no, it's fine. Blackmail me with advertising? Dude, it's the free market. And then he just said, like, let, let the company fail. And he said, let Twitter fail, and the public will remember those companies that bankrupted X. Bro, pretty creative way to get Disney's advertising money back. Go for it, man. Uh, But, but, today's winner, I think, of Low Wattage Wednesday, it's, 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 it's pretty special. And look, I'm not going to come out here and tell you not to shop at Home Depot, but have you heard about the Home Depot CEO today? Because it's great. He's a big Republican donor. And he's Bernie Marcus. He's a billionaire, co-founder of Home Depot. God bless. I've shopped there plenty of times in my life, and many times I've seen the undocumented workers who hang out in Home Depot parking lots looking for day labor, because that's how our economy really works. He told ABC News that um, he's going to do everything he can to get Donald Trump elected in 2024. He supported Trump in his first two bids for president, said he's never been as vocal as he is today for support for Trump. This man is 94 years old, Bernie Marcus. And he said, even if Donald Trump winds up being convicted in one of the 91 charges in four criminal cases in four jurisdictions, even if he's a convicted felon, he will still donate to him and support him because in his words, it's all trumped up. (laughs) You know, he 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 didn't mind after January 6th, the terrorist attack on our Capitol doesn't really care about the alleged mishandling of uh, classified documents. Earlier this month, he wrote an op-ed in Real Clear Politics on Trump, saying it was clear he'd win the nomination, and he told people, we cannot let his brash style be the reason we walk away from his otherwise excellent stewardship of the United States during his first term in office. Okay, there's two kinds of people you're about to spend a year 
listening to as they praise Donald Trump's excellent stewardship in the U.S. And you know who they are? They're really wealthy, evil people and not wealthy, dumb people. Those are the two groups. Get ready. You're going to be hearing a lot of people, mostly white, mostly male, telling you what a great job Donald Trump did. Donald Trump, who had no real policies, no real experience. No president ever brought less to the office, less experience, less knowledge of national policy. Donald Trump, after he was inaugurated, could not correctly name the three branches of government. But the incredibly wealthy people like Bernie Marcus will always support someone who lowers their taxes and gives them every break that's possible. Bernie Marcus doesn't care that these tax cuts don't help most people. He doesn't care that they triple our economy and making the deficit soar. Bernie Marcus doesn't care that his goddamn tax cut, his 94-year-old bony, wizened, godless ass did not need. If you are a billionaire, I'm going to tell you this now, folks. If you're a billionaire, you can find a really decent apartment in any city in this country if you're a billionaire. They don't need another tax cut, folks. They're doing okay. They, they, they don't need your help. The rest of the country does. But again, this is the Republican Party in my entire lifetime. This is how it's been for over 40 years. They only serve the wealthy and non-wealthy. They give umbrage. They will tell you about the illegals and the trans kids playing sports and whatever it takes. Oh, those woke liberals that are trying to take your guns and Benghazi just to get the dumb fucks angry enough to vote to give another tax cut to Bernie Marcus, who's a 94-year-old billionaire. He and his wife, Wilma, were the seventh largest individual Republican donors in the 2020 election cycle. They gave almost $25 million to Republican campaigns. He's, he's estimated to be worth $8.8 .8 Folks, when someone says Trump's policies, all they're talking about is the huge tax cut they got and the other billionaires got. That's it. And if you're not a billionaire or a millionaire and you talk about Trump's great policies... You're probably just a racist who really likes the fantasy concept of this medieval wall. Donald Trump is the worst jobs president in recorded history, friends. He presided over a loss of over six million jobs from when he took over. He has the worst jobs record since Herbert Hoover. He's the only president to have actually lost jobs over his term. Yes, he's the only president to be impeached twice. But what policies, billionaire? His heartless and incompetent approach to immigration? Hmm? His use of exploiting tax policy to try to punish states that didn't vote for him? His attempts to divert public funds to properties owned by him and his brood? His unmanly subservience and groveling to foreign dictators like Erdogan of Turkey, Kim Jong-un in North Korea, Vladimir Putin? I mean, I mean, in Donald Trump's final year as president, hundreds of thousands of Americans, billionaire white men, don't care about, died stupidly, pointlessly from a pandemic that Trump deliberately downplayed, deliberately lied about. His failure to anticipate a pandemic, his failure to prepare, his failure to have a plan to get the vaccine out has no equivalent in American history. Donald Trump is a goddamned criminal who is not capable of of not lying. And you know what I re recommend you do? I do this all the time. I tell people Donald Trump was president for what? 1,461 days. Out of 1,461 days, I'd like you, go away and work on this if you can, give me one of those days out of 1,400 where he didn't lie to you. Month, day, year. Just one. Try this with your Trump defending loved ones and coworkers. But hey, you know what, Bernie Marcus? 
give him your money. Give him your money, you twisted, godless, dying billionaire. Pay Trump for his racism and his pussy grabbing and his stealing from veterans with both his, both his fraudulent school and his fraudulent charity. Buy your golden ladder to hell and fund his 30,000 lies. Fund the stealing of migrant children and the forced hysterectomies of migrant women. Show us who you are, Bernie Marcus. Show us why you are to be reviled for your anti-labor, pro-pollution philanthropy. Pour your millions on Donald Trump. You wealthy, privileged billionaire with no appreciation of your privilege. May his decades of untreated syphilis be your decades of untreated syphilis. And let your moral indifference be the reason why employees of Lowe's get a fantastic holiday bonus next year. Go ahead and support him. I can't wait to watch Donald Trump take your wealth and redistribute it while he gets his ass kicked again. We want to know what you guys think. We're at 866-997-4748. We're going to be right back in just a moment with your calls and the great Bob Seska. This is Sirius XM. Don't go away. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hey everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on, because you know I love it when you do. You know, folks, Henry Kissinger doesn't die every day, and it really forces me to take stock of my own beliefs and realize that sometimes maybe I'm wrong about things, too. I mean, I don't believe in hell, and yet I'm convinced he's there. I, so, so what do I know? Let me go to someone smarter and much more moral than me. Uh, and that would be means he's more moral than me and Henry Kissinger combined. And that's Bob Seska, host of The Bob Seska Show, one of the best podcasts you can hear about politics and pop culture and music. He's also the co-host with our friend uh, Mary Trump of Trek Politics. Plus, he's a regular voice here and on The Stephanie Miller Show. And he does great columns. And we just love Bob Seska. Bob, welcome back. Hi, John. I'm just I'm sitting here mourning the loss of Henry Kissinger. How how sad as I try to keep from giggling. I know. You know what? Look, Donald Trump has ruined my morals and my values. What can I say? I'm uh, I'm uh, yeah. not delighted at the loss of 
Henry Kissinger, although Nor am I. I'm, I'm not uh, sad about it either. I, I, I can't I can't help but to not be sad about Henry Kissinger. Francis yeah. Sternhagen, on the other hand, I'm sad. Francis about Sternhagen. Her. Can we talk about her? What an actor. Oscar nominee for Francis and just so many great roles over the years and it made into her 90s. Just a great actress and a great lady by all accounts. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, From uh, Ma Clavin on Cheers to uh, my favorite role of hers, Bunny McDougal on Sex and the City, uh, which is, I think, the classic Francis Sternhagen role because what she brought, the, the inspired casting of bringing her in and Kyle McLaughlin into that series in season three. And by the way, I do watch Sex and the City. Kimberly and I are, in fact, watching it right now. We just saw one of her episodes, one of Francis Sternhagen's episodes last night. And uh, boy, is she good. And so funny. So incredibly <laughs> as funny. As long as you're and, watching and, uh, it with a lady, Bob, it's okay. As long as you're watching Sex and the City with a girl, we, we're, we're hey, going to let it slide this time. I'm totally owning it. And you know what? Uh, the other <laughs> role that she was really good in, she had a little teeny tiny but very funny role in Misery that I think a lot of people oh, forget right. about. But she was in yeah. that. Yeah, she was in. She was played the deputy, the wife to the yeah, sheriff of Richard of Farn- Richard Farnsworth. Near- Richard Farnsworth's yeah, exactly. wife. Yes. Boy, were they yeah. good together. I could have oh, watched yeah. them for an entire movie doing nothing but sitting at a dinner table reading a menu. I mean, I swear <laughs> to God, so entertaining and, and such a great boss. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about the old headline from a couple of years ago. Um, World mourns as diplomat Henry Kissinger, 96, found alive. Found, found alive. Um, but now that he's, he's actually gone, I, I'm very much with you. I don't feel any desire to say anything uh, especially no. unkind. Uh, but at the same time, a part of me hopes that he's gone somewhere where he can meet all the Khmer Rouge. He helped butcher the innocent people of Cambodia right. for all those years. That's right. Yeah. Just boom. Yeah. Not a good man. And, you know, it's so it's it's frustrating because there is no justice sometimes where the best people, my, my friend Chez from my podcast, and he dies very, very young. Yep. Uh, so many people die young. And yet Henry Kissinger and Dick Cheney seem to endure and live on and on and on. Evidently yep. through battery power. I don't know what they've got, bionics or something in there. It's keeping true, them alive. True blood, but... Bob. True blood. Heavy true blood consumption. That's how they do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, the family says in lieu of flowers, you can send true blood to Dick Cheney. Uh, you, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I'm i with you. It's just... Uh, it's, I, 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 I'm really curious to see how many Democrats, Chris had a great point earlier. Chris was like, how many, you know, whenever a celebrity dies, people post their pictures of themselves with the person who just died. Chris was wondering how many Democrats are going to post photos of themselves with Kissinger over the next week. And I don't think that many. I sort of think Bernie Sanders may have woken this party up and shamed them into not pushing uh, Henry Kissinger as a distinguished elder statesman anymore. But I, I I don't know. I'm just over the funeral of Rosalind Carter, who was one of the nicest people ever. And now we're going to watch all of our media bend over backwards and heads of state fawn over this bloody-handed war criminal. There's another great example of someone who is just intrinsically good Rosalind Carter, and there is a, a significant loss to the world to no longer have Rosalind Carter in the world. You can actually kind of measure the impact of the loss of a good person like Rosalind Carter because yeah. of all of the wonderful things she brought into the world, her and uh, the former president and the homes that she created for so many yeah. people who couldn't afford homes. I- I'm getting chills just thinking about it because that is, I mean, we're talking about generations and generations of people who will benefit uh, from Rosalind Carter's selflessness 
Yes. And, uh, and, and her ability to give back to people. And that is just so inspiring and, uh, and such a loss. And at the time, you know, there was really, I mean, we give Betty Ford credit, deserved credit for being the most famous person up till that time to talk about alcoholism. Yeah. But um, I'm glad to see Rosalind Carter getting some credit for being the first person of her stature to talk about mental health as a legitimate health concern. And I oh, mean, yeah. in many ways, her advocacy on behalf of mental health is like the Big Bang. It's, it's still expanding. I mean, she was such a hero in that regard back yeah. when nobody wanted to talk about it, but she had learned so much about how poor resources were for poor Georgians when she was campaigning for the governorship that it really awokened her to the plight that people have with mental health struggles, especially when they don't have health care in this crazy society. Oh, absolutely. And in fact, I think her efforts were instrumental in getting mental health covered by health insurance, which up until, uh, what was it, up until 2009, up until the Affordable Care Act, I don't think it was. And that was a, an atrocity that this legitimate physical illness of uh, mental illness was not covered by health insurance that's insane and so mm -hmm. finally i think that uh, stigma uh, sort of was peeled away and that kind of coverage for the people who really really need it and can benefit from it uh was uh was allowed and and, and in fact mandated by law so yeah. uh, another gigantic achievement for the world i think Bob, I'm I'm going to shift gears a bit and tell you that I'm I'm getting pretty tired of talking about polling and Joe Biden and the polling disconnects and what have you. Yeah. I just think it's ridiculous. It doesn't matter right now. We don't know who the nominees are. And again, I don't think people are going to be voting for Joe Biden. I think they're going to be voting against Donald Trump. But what do you make of the current level? of the polling disconnect. It seems like every week we get more good economic news and more polls showing that people don't believe the economy is improving in any way. Yeah, it's remarkable the disconnect that we're seeing between these two things, what really is and what people believe is going on, which are two very different things. And I think to a certain extent, what people are telling pollsters may not be, you know, I have this weird theory about some poll questions where people give an answer that they think the pollster wants from them rather than giving an answer that they actually believe to be true. So if they mm. just recently walked past the television, someone's watching cable news and someone says, well, Joe Biden, blah, 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 the economy. Well, that's the first thing they're going to tell the pollster as soon as the pollster calls. They're just going to yes. repeat, regurgitate the last thing that they heard just in passing uh, from the news or something they may have glanced at on, on the Internet or whatever. And so that's giving, I think, a skewed perspective on top of the fact that the polling methodology has just been way off. And it's, it's crap. been off. Yeah, it's crap. God, 2016 was a disaster. 2012 was off. I mean, it's just it's and it's gotten worse since then. I, you can't rely on it anymore. So I don't even know if this is an issue. But if if you at least believe the polls, you get the sense that there's a, a gigantic uh, clusterfuck in the minds of a lot of people where they think, Oh, my God, the Joe Biden economy is a disaster. And it's actually yeah. not. I mean, even but isn't if you this look exactly at this is exactly Obama's first term. This is yeah. every president's first term of my lifetime. I mean, my whole lifetime has been Republicans cutting taxes for the wealthy while cutting services for the poor. The economy collapses. They bring in a Democrat to clean up the mess the entire time. The arsonists 
are heckling the fire department. Democrats bring a recovery. Republican comes in, enjoys the recovery for their first term. The Democrats gave while they cut taxes for the rich. I mean, I've seen it happen three times in the last three decades, Bob. It keeps happening over and over again. And I can tell you, if another Republican takes over, they're going to take all the credit for Joe Biden's recovery the way Donald Trump took credit for Barack Obama's recovery. Oh, yeah. It's goddamn infuriating. The fact that there's this short term memory issue, I think, with a lot of voters where they don't remember the economic disaster that the previous Republican president was. And I'm not just talking about the most recent Republican president who presided over two recessions during his four years, uh, one of which I don't think anyone even knows about. It was a manufacturing recession in 2019. But, you know, it's not just Donald Trump. It's every Republican president, as you said, leaves office or is presiding over a recession while they're in office, Uh, you know, a, a terrible jobs record and so forth. I mean, Donald Trump ended his four years with a net loss of jobs. I think it was 2.6 million jobs lost over the course of his four years. Joe Biden's added 14 million jobs just in the past uh, few years. That's an enormous success story. And the worst economic indicator for Joe Biden, which is inflation, he has managed to reduce from 9% at its peak to 3.2 something percent, Hmm. which is, you know, a two thirds reduction in the rate of inflation. That's significant, and it's going to keep going down. So by midsummer, by the time the conventions are going on, we're going to see a completely different uh, outlook as far as the economy goes, especially on inflation. And I think that is uh, I think that's going to have an impact on not only Joe Biden's popularity, but his ability to be reelected. So looking at things now and looking at these polls now, I think is giving us a false sense of panic. And I know I'm part of that, too. <laughs> yeah. I'm panicking. Yeah. Too. Not me. Not me. Yeah. I'm like, go ahead, Dems. Light a, light a fire under your asses and get ready. You got 12, you got 11 months, Democrats. Start your engines. Start your fundraising. Thank God Mike Johnson and Donald Trump are going to make it so easy for him. Speaking of Trump, I'm sure you were as worried about his well-being as I was when we learned from Liz Cheney this week that Kevin McCarthy said he had to go down to Mar-a-Lago in 2021 and be in that humiliating, groveling photo op with Trump because yeah. Trump had stopped eating. Like, literally... This is, according to Liz Cheney, this is the reasoning McCarthy gave. Not that he wanted to be speaker so bad he was willing to humiliate himself in front of a man who he hates, but that he went down there, you know, I'm sure apologized to Donald Trump for telling the truth about him after his terrorist attack on our Capitol, and and, uh, was worried because Trump wasn't eating. Apparently, Bob, it was like maybe one bucket of KFC a day, and then he just couldn't do it anymore. And uh, I, I know you were concerned and had your thoughts and prayers sent out for the Trump family. Yeah, I think anything fewer than 4,000 calories is not eating for Donald Trump. Oh, my God. Is he okay? Anything less than that. Yeah. (laughs) See, someone put a mirror under his nose and see if there's any uh, breath coming out. No, it's just it's (laughs) again, it's it's funny to me. Donald Trump being depressed because he lost the election is just endlessly hilarious to me. I envision him like Howard Hughes, like locked away in some theater watching the 2016 election night uh, newsreels over and over again. He's got yes. like a really long fingernails. He's wearing tissue boxes on his feet. Uh, bottles of urine are lined yes, up. Yes, don't leave out the, the jars of urine against the wall, please. Yes, take me there. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And so Kevin McCarthy, of all people, has got to go down there and cheer him up. Are, are, is this for real? Kevin McCarthy, of all people, was summoned to go to Mar-a-Lago and to try to coax Donald Trump into eating something. Oh, <laughs> I can't believe beautiful. it. 
So I, yeah. I mean, like, like, no, what, you know, I mean, what would he do? I mean, what what would Kevin McCarthy do to get Donald Trump to start eating again? It's Kevin McCarthy, for God's sake. <laughs> he can't get his own party to side with him in Congress. I mean, much less getting this guy to uh, <laughs> to eat something like, you know, like he's like this old Italian grandma. <laughs> eat Trumpy eat. Who ever heard of a skinny Trumpy? Yeah. I, you know, and in the midst of all of this now, the, the, the Coke empire is giving money to Nikki Haley. While yeah. I'm as happy to see a fuck you against Ron DeSantis as the next person with a pulse. Uh, and I'm really happy to see Nikki Haley take this billionaire's money and uh, redistribute their wealth. I mean, mm-hmm. Bob, I, I'll be honest. Look, I, I'm, I'm terrified that something's going to happen and Trump won't be the nominee. I mean, I think Biden could easily beat beat uh, Trump and Biden can probably beat DeSantis quite easily. Nikki Haley, I don't know about. I mean, she stands for nothing. So it's very easy for her to fake it. But um, what do you make of the current GOP field? I'm I'm still really hoping Trump is the nominee. I think it's the safest thing for democracy because I know he will drive turnout and he will remind everyone who to blame for Roe v. Wade. You know, I I wish I could be with you on that one, John, but. I remember 2016 and I remember I know actually going back to 2015. I remember when he came down the escalator, I was sitting talking to Chez on the podcast and we were going, oh, this is going to be great. <laughs> Donald Trump running for president. They're going to laugh him out of the party. I know, Bob, I know, I know. And yeah. it's scarier now because back then we thought he can't possibly mean all these things. It's just all bluster. Mm-hmm. And once he's in office, he'll blah, blah, blah. No, he's that horrible. When he says shit now, we believe it. But who would yeah. you rather see? be the Republican nominee coming out of that convention this this August. That's a it, it, really we're, we're worried about democracy itself, right? We're worried about democracy. We need a president who takes climate change seriously. It, it's it, it's got to be Biden. I mean, I, I tell my liberal friends all the time, show me somebody else who can get 270 electoral votes and get more done with a divided Congress. Show me someone who can do a better job than Biden and I will give them money. I'm not loyal to anybody. But a lot of this depends on who the GOP nominee is, Bob. And we know it's not yeah. going to be Glenn Youngkin now. Thank you, voters of Virginia. So who would you like to see that has the best chance of being beaten by this 82 year old man you know i'm listening to you setting this up and i have no goddamn clue john i I don't know i mean because i I don't want to say donald trump and i'll tell you exactly why i I don't either but that's what i deduce because there yeah there is that narrow chance that he he actually wins and we are all fucked i mean it is going to be just a shit show of the highest order if he gets into the into the white house again and uh and and so it's really difficult and i i do see the wisdom of of the fact that joe biden i think can easily defeat donald trump next year i mean given obviously all the circumstances lining up in terms of things that are completely out of joe biden's control entirely everything being normal joe biden can defeat donald trump so I think, you know, it's got to be Trump to some extent, although, you know, I'm kind of concerned about Nikki Haley. I think Nikki Haley could actually make this thing competitive in the general election. She Um, could. I mean, she's awful. She's awful. And she believes in nothing. And her I mean, she's very easy to take apart. But, yeah, she's played it so in the middle. She's flip flopped so many times. She's able to pretend she's anything for any crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, She looks good on paper. I mean, I don't know yeah. how the hell she'll do in a general election. I don't think the uh, honest to God, I don't think the Republicans will go along with her. I don't think anyone, anyone other than Donald Trump 
I think the Red Hats walk away. I think the Red That's Hats what I think. stay home. You're right. Yeah. You're very yeah. right. If she gets the nomination, yes, there are a lot of moderates and independents who will vote for her, no doubt. But there's a lot of Red Hats who will not show up that day. Watch for the Iowa caucus, because evangelicals in Iowa are walking away from Donald Trump right now. They are abandoning him. They think that yeah. he is a, a nightmare. And it's been this way since 2016, to be quite honest, because he God, I forget exactly what happened. But there was a news story this week that he's calling them, uh, you know, bad Christians and full of shit and wh- yeah. whatever else he was. They don't care. About. They'll never they'll never hear it. They'll never care. They'll never know. Yeah. Yeah. But I think uh, these are the people, obviously, these are the money people. These are the people who are indoctrinating their congregations into being part of Donald Trump's militias. And so one way or another, I mean, Iowa aside, if uh, Nikki Haley starts to become competitive and Nikki Haley ends up overtaking (laughs) Donald Trump, I think that is going to be good news for uh, the rest of us as the Republican Party starts to inextricably split. And that is, uh, I think that is. You think a she's a moderate? You think you, th- you think she's? DeSantis is calling her a moderate. Do you think she's a moderate? I think anyone other. I mean, compared to Donald Trump, anyone's a moderate. But they're, they're obviously they're not. They would all be demons. They would all be equally. I think maybe not equal to Trump as far as their awfulness. But I think Nikki Haley would be a disaster in the White House. Uh, Ron DeSantis would be a disaster in the White House. They would implement all the same policies that Donald Trump wants to do, except Don- except they would probably end up leaving office after four years maybe and that i'm still putting a little bit of a question mark next to that because i think it's the republican goal to seize power whether it's donald trump or not to seize power and to not let go of that power Uh, and so what if what if what if desantis wins iowa bob that's going to throw this all into chaos desantis god bless him he's visited 99 counties he's doing the full grassley cycle i mean what if this somehow works for mr complete lack of charisma and uh somehow he wins by the seat of his dockers and and suddenly it's uh, anybody's race again well there's something to be said for the fact that donald trump is coasting right now i mean he's not really doing any uh you know sort of door-to-door retail politics at all He's doing rallies, which he always does. Occasionally, he'll turn up at a restaurant and kerplunk around and, uh, and, and pretend to like these people and then leave as quickly as, as he can. And, uh, and that's, that's his thing, and he thinks that's going to work for him. But it's, you know, I don't know. I, I, you kind of have to, especially with an Iowa caucus situation, you have to go around, you have to organize for those caucuses because it, it's going to require some legwork on the ground. And I don't know what his campaign apparatus is uh, in Iowa right now, but it's certainly not as robust as some of the other Republican candidates. Donald Trump, all he's got is he's got a cult backing him. And That's I guess it. that carries a lot of weight, but it doesn't always substitute for a robust electoral strategy, a get out the vote effort with door knocking and all the rest of it. So. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just I, all I all I can tell you, John, is the next year is going to be fucking bananas. It is going to be, be insane. All the <laughs> yeah, insane. Hang on, hang on. Uh, that that that's just the second Eugene Carroll trial. It's going to be a crazy yeah. year. Finally, Bob, in our final minutes, in, any thoughts about um the revelation that Mike Pence is even more of a wimp than we thought before? I mean, he really, really tried to sell himself as some constitutional hero, someone who cares about the Constitution so much he needs to call Dan Quayle for advice on how not to commit treason. We find out this week it's even weaker than we thought, isn't it? Yeah, it's completely unsurprising how much of a wimp that he is. I I can't believe there was one point where he was going to stay home and not preside over the January 6th 
uh, uh, vote certification. In the he was going to let Grassley. He was going to stay home and let Grassley do it. Yeah, because he didn't want to upset his friend. And that I mean, that is pure. That's Mike Pence's own notes. I mean, that's not something he was saying publicly. That's something he wrote down at the time. And so in that sense, it seems somewhat serious, like he actually thinks that Donald Trump was his friend. Donald Trump isn't a friend to anybody. Donald no. Trump, here, here's what Donald Trump thinks of his friends. Donald, Donald Trump looks at friends as uh, bullet blockers, as yeah. human shields that he can throw in front of himself in case he gets into legal trouble. That's mm-hmm. the extent of his, quote unquote, friendships. And the fact that he had Mike Pence so utterly snowed to believe that Donald Trump was his friend. I mean, Mike Pence, if that's really, really the case, Mike Pence is just (laughs) as gullible as all these stupid fucking red hats who have been conned by the world's most obvious con man in the history of con men. (laughs) I can't say it any better than that. Mr. Seska, thank you for joining us. What is the best way for our evil army of the night to follow you, Bob, and keep up with all your many doings? Uh, you can find my podcast on all of your favorite podcast players and also at bobseskashow.com. Thank you so much, Brilliant. my friend. So good to see you. We'll be right you back bet. after this brief break with your calls at 866-997-4748. This is Progress After Dark. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. I'm John Fugel saying this is SiriusXM Progress. As you know, negotiators from at least five countries were working all day toward trying somehow to extend the ceasefire in Gaza as Hamas announced that three Israeli hostages have died, including a 10-month-old child. The last scheduled release of hostages held by the militants, that was 10 Israeli citizens and two Russians, was already underway. In the midst of all of this, and there are Israeli officials who are really fighting to try to extend the ceasefire, by the way, Joe Biden suggested that conditioning future military aid to Israel was a worthwhile thought a couple days ago, but now the administration officials are shutting down any talk about that happening. Mitch McConnell has said it as well. The rules don't apply when it comes to Israel and our money. In the midst of this, the mom of Hisham Awartani, the Palestinian student at Brown University who was shot, along with two of his friends in Vermont over the weekend, told CNN Today that her son may never walk again. Vermont authorities said that they did not have enough evidence to label the shooting a hate crime because it was just three young Muslim men in kefia headdresses speaking Arabic 
who got shot by a guy driving by, but no indications it could be anything approaching a hate crime. I need someone much smarter and more moral than me, and by God, we've got him. I am so pleased to welcome Wajahad Ali back to the show. He's a Daily Beast columnist, former attorney, and a senior fellow at the Western State Center. His first book, Go Back to Where You Came From, and other helpful recommendations on becoming American, came out earlier this year. You may have read his stuff in the New York Times, The Atlantic, and The Washington Post, and he co-hosts the wonderful podcast, Democracy-ish, with the goddess herself, Danielle Moody. It is a great pleasure to welcome Wajahad Ali back to SiriusXM. Hello, sir. Hello, sir, John. I think, you know, with uh, the fuselage of terrible news that we have to endure, we should take a moment to be grateful to our sweet, sweet Lord, because we are alive today to learn that a terrible man has died. And I yes. I, I was taught that you should never, ever uh, say uh, bad things uh, about someone who has just died. So I will say... Henry Kissinger is dead. Good. <laughs> I will say at least now he finally gets to be reunited with all the Khmer Rouge he helped to slaughter all those Cambodians in a certain place. I'm sure they all went. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I have no problem about this. I talked exactly about Henry Kissinger's record while he was alive. So I have no problem repeating things I've already said amidst his passing because... You know, my heart goes out to anyone who loved him who's grieving tonight, but this was an especially evil man who had the blood of innocence on his hands for decades and decades and decades. I mean, there's a reason this man would never go anywhere near The Hague. He should have ended his life in prison. And I sort of feel like, no, I don't think so. I think we can talk about his exact record because I think it's in all of our interest to discourage future political actors from being just as venal and cruel and warlike as Henry Kissinger was. I, I'm sorry. I'm ready to tell the guys. I, I don't care if his body's not even cold yet. We should talk about what he did and how much suffering he caused. Yes, because uh, the, the dead uh, should haunt his legacy forever and hopefully should inspire those who are still alive, coveting power like he did, that when you go out, do you want to go out as a person when they announced your death at a pro-Palestinian rally in New York City, the entire crowd in unison erupts in cheers. I don't know if you saw that video. It's yeah, on Twitter right now. And this is a man, you know, what we're witnessing with Israel and Palestine, he did his quote-unquote shallow diplomacy, but it was beset with cruelty towards Palestinians, towards yeah. uh, Arabs, towards uh, Iranians. He was perfectly fine with the Shah of Iran and his cruelty. Yes, he, was. he was perfectly fine, like you said, uh, personally authorizing the strikes in Cambodia that could have killed up to 500,000 people, a genocide, a man who was perfectly fine with Pakistan, my parents' home country, uh, with their brutal slaughter uh, against, uh, at that time, Bangladesh was known as East Pakistan. They were looking for self-determination mm -hmm. as well. Uh, and a person who was perfectly fine uh, crushing uh, democracy when it was inconvenient to the United States of America, right? Remember Correct. Pinochet? Uh, right. so, you know, President Allende, eh, you're not our guy. Let's go bring in Prinochet. And and what is so fascinating, I think something which is very timely, is that Henry Kissinger, despite literally leaving a blood trail that, you know, he has the smoking gun. He has he has like O.J. Simpson's bloody glove on his hand. He literally is admitting I did it. The man was feted and celebrated literally about three weeks ago. He was invited yeah. to a dinner. Uh, and, and in Washington, D.C., they, they adored this man, you know, white tie Always. dinners. And it just shows you the worst people can fail up, John, if indeed they have the right titles and if indeed they're close to power. 
Well, I have no idea in the current headlines who you might be obliquely huh. referencing by a sentence like that. But yeah, you're exactly huh. right. And, you know, Chris, our producer and I keep talking about how many Democrats are going to be posting photos of them with Kissinger this week and, and how many got the message from Bernie back in 2016. I am proud to, to, to not have Henry Kissinger's endorsement. I am proud to not be friends with Henry Kissinger. I think that there's a lot of Democrats who have gotten the memo and uh, will not be lionizing this man. I, I do think, Waj, it's going to be a very interesting week seeing uh, another reason to divide us on the left over Henry Kissinger, because we're not fighting each other over enough things right now. Well, I mean, that's a really good point, because I remember during that debate uh, between Sanders and uh, Clinton, where Clinton, you know, mentioned Henry Kissinger and Bernie, uh, his clip is basically going viral again. I'm glad he took that moment to say, I'm proud to not say that uh, Kissinger is my friend. This is a man who's a war criminal. This is a man who has blood on his hands. And he goes to show you the shift, right? The shift that's happening within the Democratic Party right now, uh, where you see it also with Gaza and Israel in our lifetime. What we're witnessing at, at this age is something new. And you're looking at the polls where the youth, and it's not just Arabs. They used to dismiss us as like, oh, all you pro-Palestinians, you Arabs, you Muslims. They all used to lump us all together, even though, folks, there are Palestinian Christians and they're being bombed yeah, and are. churches are being bombed. That's correct. You know? Correct. Uh, uh, Justin Amash, uh, a right-wing never-Trumper, uh, has family members who have been killed uh, in Gaza. They're That's Palestinian right. Christians. But it's not. It's a multiracial and multi-global a global coalition that is looking at this death and destruction and saying... Really? Unconditional aid to a country that occupies people and is run by Netanyahu who is using genocidal language and we, as the United States of America, that claim to, to promote democracy are not going to put any limits whatsoever and are going to bear hug Netanyahu who compared Palestinians to Amalek. Uh, how yep. does this comport with our progressive values? And so this shift is really fascinating. And the sad part is, and the, and the, and the scary part, I think, for us is it's happening at such a fragile moment where... You know, Biden is barely ahead of Trump. And what I fear, John, and, and you know, and I'll, I, look, despite me saying this, I still tell people you still got to vote for Biden. But I can tell you, it's not just yeah. Arabs and Muslims, young people, black folks, just Democratic voters are like, I'm going to I might sit this out. And so I what know. I fear is the depressed I hear it every vote. day. Hear it the every depressed day. Vote. Yeah. And that, by the way, that's how Trump beat Hillary. He convinced enough people she's just as bad as I am, folks. So That's what's right. the point? There's no difference between us. That's definitely going to happen. But I do believe that a year from now, uh, take Muslim Americans, for example. I understand all of their grievances against this president. Uh, I totally get it. And by the way, just today, Mitch McConnell said it's totally unnecessary. His words, totally unnecessary for Israel to abide by U.S. standards regarding conditions for military aid amidst this offensive in, in Gaza. So, I mean, it's it's bipartisan, just letting Israel do whatever the hell they want. And America will hand you a blank check as a reward. But I think a year from now, our Muslim brothers and sisters in America are going to look at the choice of the two old white men. And they're going to see the one who managed to slow down Netanyahu, who pushed Netanyahu for a ceasefire, who got $100 million of relief funds into uh, into Gaza. And then they'll see Donald Trump, who wants to ban them from entering the country. I, I, I'm not really worried about the good folks of Dearborn sitting out 2024 and throwing Michigan to Trump next year. You should. Uh, I, I know I should, I'm, but I just I just I have faith I, I, that they're going to see what the options are. I think a majority of voters... Arabs, Muslims, and even young folks. I'm specifically young folks because that's what scares me right now. If you look at the polls, especially yeah. with uh, Gaza and Palestine, uh, but also with disinformation, also with apathy, also with with, you know, 
uh, Republicans throwing sand in the gears with bullshit, you know, conspiracies. Also with Cornell West taking some votes, RFK taking some votes, maybe Jill Stein taking some votes. You know, all this because you and I remember 2016. Mm-hmm. People forget that Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. Donald Trump barely by his fingernail, his corrosive vulgarian fingernail won thanks to a few thousand votes in the Rust Belt. That's it. That's three all, states. you know, like if 77,000 votes in three states. 40,000 votes go the other way. It's Clinton. And yeah. so it's one of those situations where what from what I'm hearing, John, is people aren't irrational. People realize that Trump is a danger to our democracy. People realize that he is a right wing authoritarian. People realize the stakes. But what you're asking voters, and again, I want to I want to reiterate, it's not just Muslims and Arabs. It's young folks, a lot of black folks, too. They're yeah. like, you're asking me to side with an establishment, an ossified establishment, going back to the Kissinger love. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. does not change, that sits here and gives a blank check to what we describe, what we meaning most people describe as if you're not if you don't want to say genocide, war crimes, collective punishment, injustice, sure. let's just say injustice. And instead of doing anything about it, it's you're going with it and we feel hijacked by two parties, right? What you're saying is listen, this sucks, but they're gonna deport you. <laughs> this sucks, yeah. but you're gonna lose abortion rights. And what I tell people, and this is where I get shit on from all sides, which either means I'm doing something right or I'm an asshole and everyone hates me. <laughs> you and is, me both, uh, friend. Go on. <laughs> I say, I say, listen, I understand the grievance, but if it is between Biden and Trump, which it seems likely, I will go 10 toes down for Biden. Uh, and then you have to do what you can to mobilize a grassroots movement to pressure Democrats and pressure works. You're looking at the past three weeks. Why are more people coming out for ceasefire? Because they're looking at the polls. They're looking at the protests. So you have to make them do the right thing, even though I think on this, there are two steps behind. But when it comes to Trump versus Biden, it's not even close. And because of this statement, I get crapped on by both the, yeah, same. as you know, on your show, the Democrats who don't want to hear any criticism of Biden and Harris. And uh, oh, yes. also people are like, oh, you're a shill and a sellout for the DNC. I'm like, no, every day. I'm a shill for democracy. I'm against fascism. <laughs> I get it every day. It's not a, and this is how it was under Obama. If I wasn't called an Obama basher and an Obama apologist ten times a day, I guess I wasn't doing my job right. Mm. I'm used to it with Biden. I'm I'm being called an Israel basher and a Palestine basher every day too. So I guess I'm offending everyone just right. But Wash, let me ask you. Let's say it's it's eleven months from now. What would Biden, in your view, have to do? to win back these folks who've been alienated. I mean, decriminalizing weed on the federal level, hearing aids over the counter, insulin capped at 35 bucks a month, got the big three pharma to come negotiate for lower drug prices, lowest unemployment rate in 50 years. I mean, what else does the guy have to do? Over 15 billion in student loan debt already forgiven. What what would he have to do to get these disaffected folks to keep Trump from being president again? I, I think so. If you stand back and look objectively, I will say that once it's all said and done, whenever Biden's term ends, whether it's eight years uh, or four years, we'll see. Um, we look back and say that was a pretty remarkable presidency for what he accomplished despite so much obstruction. But as we could see, that voters have always been emotional. Voters, yeah. uh, not You're necessarily right. irrational, you have to appeal to their heart. And I'll give you an example. Uh, The Democrats who are a step behind, always terrified of their own shadow, before the midterm, Danielle and I, my co-host, said abortion is a kitchen table issue. Now, if you remember, Democrats said, oh, it's not a kitchen table issue. Just keep talking about the economy. A few Democrats went out there and said it. And you see election after election. What's a kitchen table issue? Abortion. Defensive democracy. Remember that? 
And so that type of a fighting spirit, John, at least pretending, cosplaying to be a fighter that calls out the wait for it, quote unquote, semi-fascism, the word that Biden accidentally used at a Maryland fundraiser, then it got leaked and you're like, oh, the base is mm -hmm. responding. That type of fight that galvanizes the multiracial majority and says, oh, these people recognize the threat, call it out for what it is, and they're willing to bat for, go to bat for us. They're willing to go to the cleaners for us. That type of a fight needs yeah. to be demonstrated. And I think where I Gaza hurts Biden, and, and you could see, you know, story after story, it's it's not just Biden, it's not just Democrats, it's not just the voters, it's not just the majority that want a ceasefire. Within the State Department, you know, within the CIA now, you're seeing people are like, why are we giving unconditional aid to Netanyahu in Israel. That's right. Where the death toll is now like going to be like probably 20,000, where kids are being killed, where we're seeing, you know, uh, refugee camps being bombed, where Netanyahu is using genocidal rhetoric and it's hurting us internationally and it's hurting us in the polls. Uh, we have to stand for something. So I feel like it's one of those situations where you're seeing a lot of folks of color, a lot of young people say, and this is what scares me. What's the point? Both yeah. sides are the same. Money rules. If you're APAC, they'll bend. If you're NRA, they'll bend. They won't listen yeah. to us. They don't care about people people of color. They don't care about climate. Corporations run the day. Elon Musk gets his anti-Semitism whitewashed by doing an Israeli PR tour with Netanyahu. And yeah. the rich will get richer, the poor will get poor. F it. Let the system burn. Or let That's the system thrive. I mean, to me, that that apathy is fascism's lube. That's letting That's right. the system That's right. thrive. That is saying, I give up. Fascism deserves it. I have better things to do than spend two hours of my year voting. That That's all it is. And again, that's the apathy that Republicans depend on. That's the apathy that got Donald Trump into the Oval Office in the first place. I do think, though, this is the one benefit for uh, Biden is that the Republicans, and part of my language, are so batshit extreme. The Republicans have, you know, taken off the costume and revealed who they are. They are yeah. white Christian nationalists. They are Mike Johnson. They are Donald Trump. They are vulgarians. They are a racist. They are misogynist. They are openly telling you, we don't believe in the separation of church and state. We don't care about women's rights. That's Immigrants, right. F you. Muslims, F you. We love Orban. We love Netanyahu. We love Putin, right? This type of embrace of their cartoonish villainy that you and I used to warn about I think has disturbed and disgusted so many voters, independents, even former Republicans, that I think that might be the edge this time, John. And I also think with Donald Trump getting older and with some semblance of accountability, thank you, Fonnie Willis. Thank you, Letitia James. Thank you uh, to the judge in D.C., right? The four mm -hmm. criminal cases, 91 criminal counts, and the fact that this will be televised. And we are Americans and we know how powerful the media and stories work. Donald Trump would not be president without the power of media and story, John. This being in the news 24-7, I believe people will say, I got Biden. I ain't excited about him. I don't know if he's going to survive, but I'm done with Trump. He has That's exhausted it. me. And I think Joe Biden knows, I keep saying this, not a lot of people are going to vote for him, but a lot of people will vote against Trump. That's right. And I do think that, as he always says, don't judge me by the almighty, judge me by the alternative. And, you know, you had a great tweet earlier in the week. You said to a few Democrats here, it's OK to criticize Joe Biden when needed. He's a man and an elected official. He will get things wrong. Folks who are incapable of tolerating any criticism of him or his policies should make sure they're not part of some uncritical cult. Thank you for that. Abortion rights, climate change, gun control, defense of democracy, student loan relief and Gaza ceasefire. Dems have a year. And you're right. They have, at this point, 11 months 
to yeah. land this thing. And obviously, we have no idea of what's going to happen in the Middle East. I'm of the belief that Netanyahu will continue to bomb civilian territories as long as he can because he thinks it will save his job. That's why Netanyahu propped up these Nazi motherfuckers in Hamas for so many years because he needed them to save his job and prevent any real discussion of a Palestinian state. I've said for so long, my friend, both Hamas and Netanyahu have been, have been locked in this codependent clinch where they're all wartime consulieries who need the other to justify remaining in power themselves. How do you are you able to predict anything? I mean, I don't understand no, how this ends because I think that Netanyahu can't afford to end it. That's an astute observation and also borne by facts because uh, Netanyahu and also previous Israeli governments propped up Hamas. In 2019, Netanyahu told the Security Council That's it. that, you know, with Hamas in power, it does two things. One, it divides Palestinians, both in the West Bank and Gaza, right? So you divide and conquer. And number two, it ensures there's no Palestinian state. You can always That's use it. Hamas as the boogeyman. And Hamas then looks to Netanyahu and looks at this collective punishment and says, see, you need us. You might not like us Palestinians, but you need us. We're the ones resisting. And the people who get screwed at the end of the day, first and foremost, always Palestinians, but also Israelis, the region, and as you mentioned, innocent Muslims and Jews. I said this about a month ago. I said this this will never be contained just to Israel and Palestine. It bleeds out. And you're seeing three Palestinian American kids shot. Two of them are still in intensive care. But one guy might not walk during Tefia's. Uh, the guy went up to them, didn't say a word, shot them. And he, he did it uh, three weeks after Jesse Waters went on television on his Fox News show where he's taken over Tucker Carlson's show and said, I'm tired of Muslims and Arabs. Yeah. And nothing happened. Right. So when you casually dehumanize Muslims, Arabs and Palestinians, when you have a right wing network that promotes stochastic terrorism, when you have a base, McKay Coppins, who's the author of the new Romney book, was on our show. Great today, guy. And he said, yeah, he said. It was fascinating to him to see, you know, we said, why are so many people uh, still uh, taking the knee for Donald Trump, right? Like bending the knee to him. And he said, I was so shocked based on my research to hear from many uh, Republicans that they're literally terrified by their own base. They're terrified that their base will be violent against them. So Republicans are held hostage by the MAGA monster that they have created. And now all of us are held hostage by this, right? And so it's one of those situations where you're absolutely right. Netanyahu is so unpopular in Israel. He knows that if there's a ceasefire, the next day, 75% of the country wants him out. Palestinians want Hamas out. It is in their favor to keep the fires burning. However, I will say this, and the last thing I'll say is the occupation existed before Hamas. Even if they get rid of Hamas, which I don't think they will, but if they do, if the occupation persists, John, that's Another it. Hamas will show up. They'll be in brand You have one. to give people yeah. the right towards self-determination and freedom. Palestinians deserve that. And they have been denied that. And Thank when the you. U.S. helps with funding and missiles and being the lone no vote in U.N., the world sees U.S. as complicit in the dehumanization and occupation of Palestinians. That's the but you're, you're so right. And it's not that complicated. I mean, nope. we, we, we try to stress it all the time on the show. You know, uh, I, I'm happy saying that uh, Hamas are Nazi terrorists. And I'm happy saying that Netanyahu is a corrupt 
gangster thug. Happy saying Israel deserves to live in freedom and security and have a neighbor that acknowledges their right to exist. And I'm happy to say that Palestine deserves an independent state with control of its own borders. I, mm. I've lately, Waj, I, I've decided that the solution to this is a team of Palestinians and Israelis have to map out the next 50 years. But I want it to be only people under the age of 40 from Palestine and Israel, because I'm tired of these old men with their decades old grudges, making all the policies that they're not going to be alive to live under. I think young people should decide the future of the region. They should hammer it out. They're the ones who are going to have to live with it. I have no faith in, in, in anyone over 60 in either of those uh, regions to come up with any kind of solution. You know what this uh, latest war revealed is that you can't ignore the occupation. And Israel, United States, and Arab yeah. nations thought they could ignore it. They're like, status quo, Gaza's effed. It's an open-air prison. You know, let's get back to uh, to business. And nope, the occupation reminded them that we're here. And I've gone to Israel three times, and it's, it's just it's just sobering and maddening and fascinating to look at the dichotomy, right? Because they're like, oh, yeah. look, we have a wonderful democracy. But by the way, there's these Palestinians here who live under apartheid conditions. And then these yeah. other Palestinians in Gaza who live in an open-air prison, don't worry about them. But by the way, come to Israel. It's really safe. But by the way, we also have enemies across all sides, and uh, we have to be worried about our security. But it's really secure. And I'm like, yeah. this cannot sustain itself. And occupied people, historically, John, have always resisted occupation. The always. only way to end the occupation is either you give them their freedom or you kill them and expel them. That yep. is the end game. Um, let me ask you another question. Speaking of uh, Jew-hating narcissists, the man who killed Twitter <laughs> was over uh, doing damage control with Netanyahu this week, and it was the most cynical thing I've seen, and that's during this evil, horrible, destructive war. I mean, Terrible. Bibi knows what an anti-Semite Elon is, but is happy to glom off his popularity, and there's Elon just not apologizing for anything he said or did, just knowing he's got the money to get a photo op. It was just despicable. And I was so heartened to see so many uh, American Jews and Jews overseas disgusted by it. Yes, absolutely, man. And also, why is Elon Musk going to Netanyahu to apologize to American Jews? It also conflates Israel with American Jews. And a majority of American Jews, uh, you know, even though they have family in Israel and they have relations with Israel, but a majority of American Jews, like I think the latest polls said like around 56, 57 percent don't really yeah. have a deep attachment to Israel. Right. So you're promoting the dual loyalty trope by having Elon Musk going to Israel, doing a PR tour for Israel's benefit, you know, hugging yep. Netanyahu and never rejecting the white supremacist conspiracy theories that he affirms, which have, by the way, folks, radicalized terrorists to commit violence against Jews in the Tree of Life synagogue, Muslims yes, in sir. New Zealand, Latinos in El Paso. And black people in Charleston, right? And he doubles down on it. He triples down on it. And what's really cynical and gross about this is APAC and even ADL seem to equate pro-Israel as being uh, the ally of Jews, right? If you're against Israel, you're anti-Semitic. Right. Oh, by the way, yep. Elon Musk, even though you literally affirmed a the replacement theory, but since the next day you said, ah, I'm against decolonization from the river to see you're a friend of mine. And yeah. Greenblatt said that with ADL. And I'm like, that is, you know, sitting there outside as a Muslim. And I tell my Jewish friends, this is terrible for Jews. What you're doing yeah. is terrible for Jews. It's great for Israel. It's great for evangelical Christians like Pastor Hagee. The number right. one biggest Zionist group in America, folks, is not Jews. It's right wing 
white evangelicals Correct. led by Pastor Hagee. That's and the it's base not because they like Jewish people at all. It's because they need Jewish people to force convert or die when their Bible fan fiction rapture happens. That has nothing to do with the Christ they pretend. They to love Israel, Jews, eh, not so much. And real quick for people to, uh, to connect the dots, because it's really important. Why was Pastor Hagee there? Why was this racist, this homophobe, this guy who said God brought Hitler so, to, to get Jews yep. to, to reclaim the Holy Land? Why yep. was he invited at the March for Israel? Because evangelical Christians are the number one base of Netanyahu and That's Trump. It. And they believe, according to their fan fiction, that Jews need to control the Holy Land as a necessary yep. precondition for the return of Jesus. And like you said, Jesus is going to come and the first people he's going to kill are the Jews and then Muslims. It's so and cynical. It's so gross. None of this is actually in the Jesus parts of the Bible. It's so disgusting. To me, wise, the real question is, why did Democrats like Jeffries and Schumer agree to be on the same stage in the same bill as John Hagee? But that's a whole other conversation. For but that's going to be shameful, John. I think that's going to be a shameful clip that is going to rear its ugly head and really bite Jeffries and Schumer moving forward uh, because they, they also had Mike Johnson there, man. Yep, you're right. Listen, uh, Wajahad Ali is one of the smartest players in the game. Everybody should listen to the Democracy-ish podcast he does with Danielle Moody. I love what you do, sir. What's the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with all your many doings? I, I appreciate you. I appreciate your voice. I appreciate your show. Uh, follow me on the socials. I'm at Wajahat Ali on uh, Instagram and threads at Insta Wajahat. I write for the Daily Beast. If you can buy my book, please do. And listen to our podcast. It's called Democracy-ish comes out every Thursday morning, and we recorded a fantastic podcast today with McKay Coppins about nice. the present and future of the Republican Party. I thought it was very insightful. It's coming out tomorrow He's morning. He's a great, great writer. Listen, yeah, I'm going to harass guy. you to be on this show a lot more over the next year. You're one of the best. Thank you for joining us, sir. Sir, Peace. take care. Quick break. We'll be right back with your calls at 866-997-4748. This is Progress. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And welcome back to Progress After Dark. Chris, I sent you a little clip of Senator Sanders. Did you happen to get that? Oh, yeah. Uh, we've referenced this quote a few times tonight so i just want to play this because before we went live chris told me that uh henry kissinger had died um yeah uh, so you know let's let's uh, all raise a true blood in his honor but um chris had a good point how many democrats are going to be posting their fanboy pictures of them with henry kissinger 
Or did Bernie Sanders really change that dynamic in 2016 when he said this uh, very famous quote in the debate that has been shared all over the place tonight? This is uh, Bernie versus Hillary. Here's Senator Sanders. In her book and in this last debate, she talked about getting the approval or the support or the mentoring of Henry Kissinger. Now, I find it rather amazing because I happen to believe that Henry Kissinger was one of the most destructive secretaries of state in the modern history of this country. I am proud to say that Henry Kissinger is not my friend. I will not take advice from Henry Kissinger. And in fact, Kissinger's actions in Cambodia, when the United States bombed that country, overthrew Prince Sino, created the instability for Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge to come in, who then butchered some three million innocent people, one of the worst genocides in the history of the world. So count me in as somebody who will not be listening to Henry Kissinger. Boom. Loved it. And then, uh, believe me, Kim Jong-un was really upset that Bernie didn't like him either. This is SiriusXM Progress. I'm John Fugelsang. We are at 866-997-GRIT. I am so thrilled and delighted to welcome Dr. Tracy Pearson back to the show. She's a legal analyst and consultant you may have seen on TV and radio or quoted in Forbes or Fast Company, the New York Post or Cheddar News or News Nation. Dr. Tracy, welcome back. Well, thank you. It is wonderful to be back with you after that little break we had over Thanksgiving. Um, and how was your and Thanksgiving, Doctor? How how was your LA Thanksgiving? I it was it was good. It was lots of food. It was lots of 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 sleeping and um, yeah. Yeah, it was good. Although it's cold, I, it, folks can't see me. I'm I've got my fuzzy sweaters out now here in Los mm-hmm. Angeles because it's cold here. <laughs> Oh, it's cold in Los Angeles. What is the wind chill like down to 60 right now? Is that how it is? It's, yeah, it's it's really cold. Like, it got down to 49 or something last night. It was bad. It was bad. I had to Lady, turn the I was heat walking on through. Morning, I was John. walking through snow flurries yesterday in November. We've had the heat turned on for a month over here. Y'all are spoiled. No, that's you have North soft Pole, immune man. systems. Mm, no, weak immune no. systems. <laughs> I, uh, I was born in Maine. <laughs> oh, my God. So this should be easier for you. But yeah, I mean, I like when it's cold in L.A. It gives me an excuse to wear layers. Um, Tracy, I'm, I'm so glad you're with us. There's so much going on right now between the Middle East and our politics and Nikki Haley. And now uh, Henry Kissinger has gone to see his old Khmer Rouge friends and talk about how much fun they had <laughs> slaughtering Cambodians together back in the 70s. But you sent me a note that was the funniest thing I saw all day. You just wrote, oh someone, needs, someone needs to bitch slap Trump. Like, bitch slap him. She wrote this, folks, with two I's, two T's, two C's, and two H's. I'm very curious. Um, There could be a lot of things Donald Trump says or does that might elicit such a response. Tracy, what what, what among Trump's malfeasances of the week made you write that? (laughs) What what about all the things that he does? Today I saw... um, what he did, which was he he retweeted uh, a comment, nasty comments about uh, Judge Erdogan in New York. But then he said uh, it directed them towards the judge's wife. Yes. His Trump hating wife with his very disturbed and angry law clerk. Uh huh. And and I thought, OK, all right, that's it. That's that's that. You know, there's a lot of things that I've said that's it about with you over the last year. But this is it. Like you stay away from the spouses or what we call in our family, the spices. You stay away from them. OK. Mm-hmm. And and this is this is um, unhinged, crazy, 
put some bracelets on him, take him away for a few days, have him contemplate his future behind some some bars in a cell. I don't give a crap that he's protected by the Secret Service. They can put one agent outside, one agent outside the building, and and the rest of them can go on some vacation or go for some extra training. I don't care anymore. I'm done with this. I, what Somebody's scares gonna get me killed. is... What scares me about this is, like the E. Jean Carroll's second rape and defamation suit, Donald Trump's already guilty. He's already guilty in John Gengaron's case. So the entire case, and again, it was Trump's lawyer, Alina Haba, who did not want a jury. So the entire court case we're seeing play out in New York City is not about whether he's guilty or not. It's only about how much money his family's going to have to pay for lying and committing so much fraud over the decades. Uh, insulting the judge's wife when the judge has already penalized you and fined you for insulting his law clerk? This is a state case. If he became president again, he could not pardon it. It really disturbs me that he just kind of feels like he can take, he he can get $250 million elsewhere. Look, I worked at the New York State Attorney General's office back in the day, and I did these cases. These cases are not new. And they typically Mm -hmm. end with a a memorandum of understanding to resolve things. We don't typically have these types of trials. Um, They're they're really um, in this situation. Yes, he has been found liable for for, you know, some conduct. And then there's um, some additional uh, claims that still have to sort of be resolved by this uh, because there's some factual disputes. But, yes, the majority of this is damages. And um, it goes to the heart of his ego. It's everything that he is, is his value. And as far as dollars and cents are concerned, that's all he is as a human being to him. Um, mm. You know, and, and it sort of juxtaposes uh, what what I read on Twitter a little while ago, a friend of mine who, who basically said, don't be the type of person where anyone celebrates your death. And 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 so, you know, when when you think about that, Donald Trump is really even to his kids. I mean, he's pretty much a piggy bank. And and there is no this is not a a quote normal family as if there were any normal family. But, you know, there is no emotional relationship here. And we don't we don't we we don't know that. It's just fun to speculate (laughs) and joke about. But yeah. I, I really don't think there is. I'm I'll sure he and Eric have very deep conversations together about <laughs> the love they share as father and son. But go on. And so this is about, uh, you know, this is this is as deep as he goes is is how much do people think he is is worth as a person based on how much money is allegedly reflected on his balance sheet. And mm. and that is ultimately what this case is for him he's not even contemplating the fact that he could spend you know years and years and years basically the rest of his life behind bars in georgia or in dc or you know no, he's quite ever... certain he won't he seems to really be very right. very certain and that only means that there's a rigging in the process that that we don't know about or that he's got a plane gassed up and ready to go to a country with no extradition <laughs> treaty because i don't know why else and... he'd be this confident and that's his that's his public that's his public demeanor. Having represented criminal defendants, there's this moment in the in the middle of the night where they're they're sweating profusely and they're worried about what's going to happen to them because ultimately they are human. He is human and, and he is not in any way demonstrating a fear of this. And so what he cares about is his money. And and it yeah. just absolutely is having practice law for as long as I did, the relationships you forge with 
you know, with the clerks, because that is how you get things done. Um, and yeah. the relationships that you forge with with, you know, opposing counsel, it, it, this guy is gone so far beyond for me that mm. that I want somebody to pick him up and put him in a jail cell at this point <laughs> now, because somebody is going to get killed. I will settle for him just never being in office and never able to hire judges again and um, being setting money on fire for defense attorneys for the rest of his life. Because as I've said to you before, Tracy, I kind of feel like a lot of Trump's lawyers are just in on the scam of billable hours and they don't care if they're going to lose. They just want to get paid for as many hours as possible and drag things these things out and delay, delay, delay. It, it takes a lot to shock me about Donald Trump at this point. But I, I wow, his lawyers... You know, in Colorado, they're trying to throw him off the, the state's presidential ballots in 2024 based on the 14th Amendment. I disagree. I think that's a bad idea for many reasons. But um, is it true that Donald Trump's lawyers in the Colorado Supreme Court case said he he never took an oath to support the Constitution of the U.S.? And therefore, yes. you can't ban him? Did they really say you can't ban him because he never took an oath to support the Constitution? Yes, they said it in a pleading. And and I don't know. I watch and I, I saw him do it unless he, he thinks that, like, you know, he didn't take an oath in his heart. I mean, I honest to God cannot believe a lawyer put that in writing. I mean, remember when they dragged, you know, Sean Spicer out there to say this was the largest crowd that had ever existed yep. ever on the planet. OK, because the guy stood there and took the oath. I mean, how in in anybody's mind i mean you know it it, it absolutely stabs me in the heart it I really does it. to see it's, these it's lawyers not, I mean, doing this folks listen to this i'm re i'm reading from trump's lawyers section three okay of the 14th amendment section three does not apply because the presidency is not an office under the united states the president is not an officer of the united states and President Trump did not take an oath to support the Constitution of the United States. I'm pretty sure that's four lies in one sentence. We watched it, and he gave a speech about American carnage. It's literally the presidential oath of office. And I do recall that, that George Bush sat there and, and, and under his, his plastic bag poncho and said, this is some weird shit. I yeah. mean, that, well, that is really, honest to God, unreal that this stuff is getting filed by attorneys. Yeah, by the way, George Bush could have taken five seconds out of his life over the last six years and spoken publicly against Trump once. He's chosen Agreed. not to. So he still, and, and by the way, Bush is still a worse president than Trump. And the fact that he won't criticize Trump is proof that he's worse of a president than <laughs> Trump. And that's saying quite a bit. Tracy, what is the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with all your work and doings? I am on all of the social media at Tracy Explains, and I have a Substack, Dr. Tracy Explains. And of course, you can find me here. It's always great when we have you here. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Tracy. Uh, I'll try to get more racist to call in next week when you join us once again. <laughs> it's great to okay. see you. Happy post-Thanksgiving and have a have a great December. Um, in the meantime, we'll be back tomorrow night with Simon Moya-Smith and Julie Franchella for our Indigenous Voices panel, plus Minority Report with Thea. Thank you to Bob Seska. Thank you to Wajahat Ali and Dr. Tracy Pearson. Uh, thanks, of course, to uh, the great Thea and Chris. And as always, thanks most of all to you guys. I'm sorry if we didn't get to your call tonight. We will tomorrow. This is progress. Keep it tuned here all day long. And you know what? I'll say it again. Henry Kissinger is going to have a better 2024 than Donald Trump. Peace. Have a great night. We'll see you next time.